the Black Lives Matter movement is making Black count every every single day. It is not something, it, it's not a season, it's not a, a place. It is a mindset of Black Lives Matter every day. We have to make Black count every day. From UW Tacoma, this is Pod Defiance. Welcome to Pod Defiance, where we don't lecture, but we do educate. Today on the pod, a conversation with the Tacoma Urban League's president and CEO, Tawana Nobles. UW Tacoma staff member, Catherine Feltz, talks with Nobles about the Urban League's 50-year mission to strengthen and support the local African-American community. Feltz and Nobles also discuss how people can get involved to push for societal change and the Urban League's efforts to make Black count. So I guess to get started, Tawana, thank you for being here. Thank you for, you know, agreeing to this. Thank you. I know you've got a busy schedule with the Urban League and your family and all the other things that you're involved with. Um, So can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, about your journey and how you got to be um, this incredible, well-known figure in the community? Um, Yeah, thanks. I didn't know I was um, incredibly well known. So I'll, I'll talk to you about how I got here. Um, and you know, in the shortest way possible, but our family moved here as a military family, um, about 20 years ago. My son Reese is breaking down. He's playing a video game. So that's his, um, outward enthusiasm that you might hear also. Um, but we moved here about 20 years ago, um, with one child and I moved here from the South. I moved here from Alabama and grew up mostly in Alabama and Georgia, but have lived all across the country and was born in Germany. But anyway, so I moved here, military spouse, very familiar with making new community um, my own and jumping in and figuring out how to make the best of every situation. Both of my parents were also military. So I, I know what it's like to, you know, meet new people um, incorporate a variety of opinions and um, interest and uh, create a space that's welcoming for all. But there was something unique about the Pacific Northwest that has caused me to stay here. Um, I never felt like I fit in in the South. It's very conservative. I, I felt at an early age that my values were more aligned with a different type of environment, but I didn't know where until I moved here to the Pacific Northwest. And I realized absolutely I'm far more progressive. Um, I care about community, care about helping community um, because community is what helped me to um, become the person that I am today. And I'm sure throughout this interview, I'll be able to speak a little bit more about my, my past, my childhood, my experiences, but how all of those things have helped me to be more empathetic and um, understand um, real challenges that families and individuals experience. But um, I moved here, jumped into school. I actually started school at Tacoma Community College because I moved here in December and wanted to not wait for a semester, but I made the basketball team at TCC and so decided to stay a full season instead of transferring at the start of a new semester. But eventually I did transfer to University of Puget Sound and got my undergrad and, and graduate degree from University of Puget Sound. And, you know, throughout all of this, you know, when you play basketball, you start to create friends and family. And I'm still friends with many of the girls that I played basketball with. 
that really helped me to learn more about this state. Our, our basketball team was um, West division champ. So number one in our division, and then we were fifth in state, but I got to travel the state a little bit um, to see, you know, beautiful mountains and just beautiful open spaces. And um, that was a really good, incredible um, opportunity as a, as a military spouse to have that experience at the time that I was at University of Puget Sound, our family grew. We, at that point, had probably experienced three deployments. And so, um, you know, I was going to school on my own um, or going to school and, and parenting kind of on my own through those deployments. And, you know, we moved here with one child. And then by the time I finished my graduate degree, we had, you know, four children here. So, Lots um, happen and change, but this still was a great community. But because of my children, I got involved with PTA. Um, education um, was always really important to me. I've always been a learner, but having children, I wanted to be more involved in education. So my children really inspired me to join PTA, to run for school board. But, um, you know, I am where I am because of involvement. My undergrad degree is in U.S. politics, and I started um, volunteering on political campaigns. I was a campaign manager for um, Victoria Woodards on her first city council campaign and her second, and now she's mayor of Tacoma. So that helped me really to learn the different organizations and segments of community, the different neighborhoods here in Pierce County. And um, that also, um, working on her campaign also started the beginning of an incredible mentorship and relationship with um, a really smart, brilliant woman here um, in this area. And, you know, after I finished grad school, I taught for one year. It was the most horrible first year of teaching ever. So I vowed to never return to education. I stayed home with my kids um, for five years. I shouldn't say never return to education. I vowed to never teach again. Like that was a very, I just did not enjoy classroom teaching after that first year. So I stayed home and, and raised my kids for the next five years, but then got this opportunity to teach in a very non-traditional way to also um, run and manage a, a trio program. That teaching opportunity came with substantial funding where I got to travel with students and other teachers and help students to learn about colleges and what post-secondary education means. And um, I did that for five years and it was really incredible. And I continued to serve in different capacities in my community. And after five years, that program actually sunset. So the organization lost the funding for that program. And at the same time, Victoria Woodards was running for mayor and, and she was the CEO of Tacoma Urban League. And when she was running for mayor, she decided to leave the Urban League. And so they needed a new CEO at the same time that my teaching position would, was going to end. That was like summer 2017. So because of our relationship and our mentorship and because she knew my skills and my talents and I worked on her campaigns, although I had never been um, the president of a nonprofit before, but over the years had started my own organization, the Ladies First. So I definitely had experience, but my mentor and a woman who has become a mother to me um, could foresee my leadership's benefit to Tacoma Urban League and asked the board of directors to take the risk of hiring a younger CEO whose life experience, um, whose lived experience, but also professional experience would move the Urban League to the next place that it needed to be. And so the board listened to that and, and 
you know, converse with me. And here I am now, almost three years later, um, continuing to run the Urban League. But, you know, I have to give credit to this community for taking care of me as a young child. Um, you know, when, and by community, I don't mean just here in the PNW, but um, my community down south that took care of me as a young child, but also the way that this community in the Pacific Northwest has wrapped its arms around me and allowed me to just, again, bring that lived experience um, and my professional experience to the table, but also to grow in so many ways, to make mistakes and um, to be flawed, but open to learning and getting better. Um, because that has helped me to participate in opportunities that otherwise I would not have been, been ready for. So I am here now leading at Tacoma Urban League. And um, I know that uh, I and my team have done a really incredible job just raising the profile of the organization. And we have so much more to do. And what's happening currently in our um, country and in our state, and more importantly, in this city you know, in, in, in Tacoma, we have a great opportunity to expand the work of the Urban League. Lots of folks have become more interested in the movement. I mean, our movement has been, I tell people, I mean, my life is, is the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, when you're Black in America, you think about the things that people are, you know, starting to advocate for. You think about those things every day, all the time. And so I'm just grateful that more people want to be involved in this work in the advocacy and changing policy and being members and learning more and supporting our community. So I am, you know, here for such a time as this to do incredible work, to continue to learn and lead. And I'm just so grateful that I have a, a great staff, strong board, and now more community members um, to join in this work. So that is how I got here in a nutshell. Um, 20 years now in this community that I absolutely adore and love and look forward to continuing to find ways to give back here. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think there are a lot of things that we'll probably touch on in a, a little bit, um, but I really appreciated um, the mention of that community, the mention of that network about like kind of putting yourself in situations and in places where you may not always be represented, you may not always be comfortable, you may not always be the expert, but you know that you can do some good there and you know that if somebody gives you a shot, you're really gonna make a difference, which you've shown, obviously. Um, and, and for those maybe who don't know of all of the great that you've done, could you talk to us a little bit about the Urban League? What do y'all do? What's your mission? And, and maybe in this present time, how are you really um, approaching community growth and community change? Yeah, I love the Urban League's mission. Across the country, Urban Leagues are supporting the African-American community, urban residents, underrepresented community members, underserved community members to access opportunities around healthcare, housing, education, employment, and all the time in all of those areas, we are fighting for justice. Now, Urban Leagues across the country do it in a variety of ways. You know, at Tacoma Urban League, we, um, under my leadership, have typically have had around four or five staff. And I think with Victoria around the same, you know, there's typically around five, um, you know, full-time staff or part-time and full-time staff at Tacoma Urban League, but Urban League Metropolitan Seattle has about 50 staff. So all the Urban Leagues accomplish the work in different ways, depending on their budget, their capacity, the needs of the community. But for 52 years, Tacoma Urban League has been, you know, uniting this community, making sure that we are, you know, 
fighting big issues like redlining and um, discrimination, as well as um, gentrification. And, and we have never done this work alone. I think that's the most beautiful thing because a lot of folks now have a lot of commentary around, you know, all these white people want to be involved. But I'm like, if you look back at the marches that did feature Reverend Martin Luther King um, Jr., um, if you look back at the work of our, um, our ancestors, leaders of the past, we have always had allies who have joined us in this work. I like that Tacoma Urban League on its own is going to do what it needs to do for the black community as well as other, other urban leagues. But we always embrace and encourage other folks who want to make this movement um, more powerful because in order to change the culture of this country, it's going to take the change of hearts and mindsets of all of the individuals who, who live here. So we are um, grateful that, you know, 52 years, 52 years ago when our founding president and CEO, Mr. Thomas Dixon, um, you know, had this great idea uh, with other folks in the community who were black, who were white, who were Asian, um, but with, you know, in, in you know, um, Latino, I mean, just a diversity of people who said, we need to have an urban league, you know, here in Tacoma. I'm, I'm grateful for that vision. And I'm grateful that here, 52 years later, this organization is still doing this work. And, you know, the issues, unfortunately, have not changed much. I think it, it breaks my heart knowing that we are still advocating for increased representation and opportunities for Black folks and other communities of color, you know, in, in the workplace, that we are still demanding to be treated equally in community and in those workplaces and in healthcare. So it breaks my heart that the issues are still relevant 52 years later, that we just start up a program and call it by a different name, but we're demanding the same things that our founding president and CEO was demanding. But I am grateful, especially now that more folks want us to help, want to, want to help us to do this work. And I do think now is, is different and we have really good momentum. Um, but Tacoma Urban League is more relevant now, I think, than, than ever um, in partnership with our local NAACP and the Black Collective, um, as well as a variety of other groups of Tacoma Action Collective. So, um, you know, we are open to, to new members to help us to do this work through 165. It definitely is not a moment, but um, we're here for the, the long haul. And I'm just, a, you know, a participant with other community members who care deeply about change here in our community. I wanted to take a quick break to talk a little more about the Tacoma Urban League. The Urban League offers a variety of resources and programs. If you visit its website, you'll find a directory of different Black-owned businesses, as well as links to different action groups you can join. You'll also find a list of courses that cover everything from home ownership to career networking. The mention of collaboration of like really again like you know you might be the name you might be the ceo like folks might know your face but it's not just you doing this work and and that is important right you may set the tone you may set the direction um but it is really a collective thing and i you know i really appreciate that you mentioned some of the other folks in tacoma that are doing this work and and that, you know, it is really about changing hearts and minds that we do need allies. We do need really kind of all hands on deck to be able to do this and really create meaningful change. Because as you said, 
it's been 52 years and it's still really the same kind of issues that we're dealing with. And that's unfortunate. Um, and it's unfortunate that some people are just waking up to it, but I also want to say like, welcome, there's places mm-hmm. to get involved. There's stuff, there's stuff to get on board with. Um, so thinking of that, could you talk a little bit more about uh, two of the programs that the Urban League runs specifically, the Male Involvement Program and Girls with Purpose? Yes. So um, the Male Involvement Program, if my memory is correct, was started under um, Mayor Woodard's leadership. So, um, And the Male Involvement Program was a direct response to gang activity in the community. So the Urban League then was deciding how can we give Black males in our community, young Black males, another alternative because what we know about gangs is it's um the concept is you have family you belong somewhere someone is looking out for you um someone cares for you so and we all need that we all want to feel loved so anyway our male involvement program is just a, a a positive opportunity for black males and other males of color to mentor young black young young black men and um and other young men of color. And MIP has, you know, white youth who are in it too. I think at the end of the day, we want to just provide an environment that says we care, we see you, um, you belong here. And also, I love that the conversations in MIP acknowledge a lot of the trauma that our youth experience. So we are in some of the, our MIP program runs in some of the communities that have the highest population of um, previously incarcerated people highest populations of people of color. So I love that in, in our MIP program, we don't just offer programming, but our mentors pay attention to the other barriers that our youth experience. A lot of them live in food dancers, have family members that have been or are incarcerated um, or have passed away due to violence. It's not everyone, but we go into schools asking for some of the hardest to reach youth, youth who have um, who, who might feel disconnected from the academic experience, but obviously they have to go to school. Um, so we, we want to make sure that youth that maybe other teachers or admins, adults might have already given up on. And we want them to know that in our male involvement program, they're part of a large brotherhood. Not just, I mean, we're, we offer the program at First Creek Middle School, Stewart Middle School, Gray Middle School, and Lister Elementary. And our mentors also have some relationship with high schoolers at Lincoln high school, but this is a large brotherhood. It's not just about programming at, at one school. And a lot of these youth go from Lister to first Creek to Lincoln. So it's also to keep them connected and involved throughout their academic experience. But um, it has been significantly impactful for the youth. Um, And not only do they have these weekly conversations and now during COVID we switched to an online platform so young men are on zoom wednesdays and thursdays but it's not just the conversations they also do a variety of field trips have a variety of speakers and now during COVID 19 the team has started this kind of agricultural project and purchased seeds and all the supplies and dropped them off at all of the young men's houses and i have shared at least one picture um, of them growing plants at home and just you know talking through our responsibility taking care of this earth, like what it means to plant this seed and, and, and nourish something and watch it turn into something else and how we also have that type of responsibility um, in our community for each other, um, for those, you know, younger than us. Um, but when you, when you 
when you put your heart and soul and when you can nurture something, you can watch it to grow into something stronger and better. And so we have that opportunity each day as, as mentors and as youth and as brothers in community. Well, I'm not a brother, but you know, they're so cool that, you know, I wish I could be part of their brotherhood, but I'm fostering sisterhood. And so we'll talk about GWP, but I love MIP. A lot of folks have come through that program and, you know, have come back to the urban league. Uh, Deputy Mayor Keith Blocker was a mentor in MIP when he worked at Tacoma Urban League. And um, so I know that youth and adults who are affiliated with Tacoma Urban League become um, outstanding community members. And so here is an opportunity to grow our Urban League family, um, to start younger, and to um, expect that these young people will take these concepts and give back to this community in a positive way. And we know from the you know, anecdotes from teachers, from admin, that MIP is making a positive impact in, in improving academic outcomes in the before school and during school and after school programming that we offer. So MIP has a conference coming up in July. That's a two-day virtual conference with some incredible speakers. Marcus Trufant did a great, like, uh, promo video for us that we'll be dropping soon. But, um, you know, I'm really proud of that program. It has paid staff, paid mentors. There are several volunteers, but it's a a paid opportunity, um, and and the men who run that program take it very seriously, and um, they continue to grow as better men and fathers in the community, and they are doing just really amazing work for the students. The girls program is a little bit different. So several like eight years ago, I started a program um, called Ladies First. It's a it was a, a for profit business, and I did Ladies First for a number of years. But when I came to the Urban League. I realized the Urban League, well, let me back up. Even before I started working as a CEO of the Urban League, I would run their girls program. So like as a consultant from Ladies First, I would run this program that we named Girls with Purpose. And so the Urban League did not have paid staff to run their girls program, but I would always provide those opportunities um, to lead those programs and services in the summer or during the school year. And when I started working as a CEO, I figured instead of me running my Ladies First programming and then doing this separate thing called GWP or Girls with Purpose at Tacoma Urban League, that I wanted to roll all those things together and keep the partners that I was working with before, Girl Scouts, um, Greater Tacoma Community Foundation, the YMCA. I wanted us to stay together and offer programming and not worry about branding And I didn't want people confusing my work with Ladies First with what the Urban League was doing, especially because the Urban League is a nonprofit. Ladies First was always for profit. So we just kind of created something that was new and different and called it um, and continue to call it Sisterhood in the City. So when we talk about Sisterhood in the City, it is a partnership with, you know, I get to wear my expertise hat from Ladies First, it is Tacoma Urban League's Girls with Purpose and all of the partners who come to the table, but no one own, no one like owns Sisterhood in the City. It is just how can we welcome all girls from across the city and not, um, so for MIP, there are experiences like our summer camp and conference where you don't have to go to one of our school sites to be a part of MIP, but also Sisterhood in the City allowed us to not just offer the program to where the schools that our programs were being offered in, but any girl in our city could participate. And it was offered in the evening versus, you know, during school or before school or after school on the school site. 
And the entire goal is all of us, we love girls, we love women, we want to create a more positive sisterhood where we know that we are better together. And so many of us have these stories of when we were younger, we, I know for me and and several of my friends, I I would always say like, oh, I don't hang out with girls. There's so much drama. This is when I was in middle school and high school. Um, I felt more comfortable being friends with boys. And I just felt like girls were so catty and all these different things. And it took me to, you know, start ladies first to really understand and and start ladies first and and work more intentionally with other women. Cause initially uh, when I started ladies first, it was so I could be a positive influence in the lives of girls. But what I realized was this is a, this was an opportunity to transform relationships and the thought processes of women and girls across the city. And many of us wanted to do the same thing. We want, we want young women to know early that we are an incredible, you know, group of beings and we need to believe in each other and support each other. And it's, you know, you know, difficult in this country for women because of, you know, sexism and patriarchy. So we have to stick together and support each other. But that is learned because a lot of the messages are that women should be divisive and catty. And there's room for only one of us at the top or in this space or at the table. And that's just not true. But we recognize we have to teach that. We have to introduce it. We have to talk about it. We have to comb through it and, um, and, and support each other, you know, as we're learning that practice, but also like putting it into action. We are fostering healthy relationships, exposing young people in MIP and GWP to so many volunteer and, you know, community opportunities. And we've partnered with the zoo for both programs and our youth have gone on to be ambassadors or volunteers with Point Defiance. We've um, volunteered with um, a variety of other organizations like I mentioned, you know, the YMCA um, or the YWCA with athletes, with sporting facilities to, you know, get access to elite coaches for um, our youth who typically, typically like me, were not able to participate in any rec sports. I mean, I didn't, my family did not put any money in rec sports due to a lot of the the barriers that we were experiencing as, as kids. Um, so we want, we just, we try to think outside the box and like, how can we help these kids to develop um, socially, emotionally, physically, and how can we give them the best opportunities? But as a nonprofit, raise the money so they don't have to worry about paying for it. All of our experiences in both of those programs are free. Um, all of our field trips, we've taken youth and families to Eastern Washington or to Ellensburg to renewable energy plants. I mean, we've done incredible things and it should not cost them. The community should take that on so we can provide the exposure. Oh, thank you for that. That's, that all sounds amazing. And I think it's great that you mentioned like it should be free, like there should be all of these opportunities. There does need to be a robust amount of, you know, like it shouldn't just be STEM. It should also be like environment and leadership and community. I really loved when you talked about like the men involvement program, the um, like giving seeds to the students and encouraging them to grow. Um, that connection of not just like to themselves and what their skills are and, you know, the time and energy that they put into growing those things, but to have this physical reminder that the time and energy you invest into something will help it grow and will help it to thrive. And if we do that for ourselves and if we do that for each other, we can really create amazing things and we can really have gardens that like feed us all. Um, 
So I really appreciate that. And I, yeah, I would love to kind of follow how those programs develop. Um, as we were talking about those things, it really did make me think of the effort um, from the Urban League to make Black count and get everybody involved in the census. Um, and I think actually, as we are looking at, at the violence that's happening across the United States and, and really examining some of the systems that have allowed this violence to continue and even to seemingly kind of increase um, during this time, um, you know, you mentioned like programs kind of changing really rapidly and, and being put on hold and paused because of COVID. And unfortunately, racism isn't, isn't stopping for anything. There is no pause for this. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about making Black count, about what the census means, how it helps our communities, and how that might kind of impact the future of, of our systems? Yeah. And one thing I've really tried to communicate to folks who email me and say, hey, I'm looking to be a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, or can you connect me with an organization that's part of the Black Lives Matter movement? And I'm like, the Black Lives Matter movement is making Black count every every single day. It is not something, it, it's not a season. It's not a, a place. It is a mindset of Black Lives Matter every day. We have to make Black count every day. And what we really try to do with our Make Black Count um, kind of saying in campaign is, um, you know, this is a call for engagement consistently. It is for census. It's also for um, voter registration, voter turnout. It's also for, you know, you know, run for office. It's also for, um, you know, advocacy and, and, and justice. So it is broad, but daily and always important. And there are no days off. And it, what we want now is for more folks to stay engaged, um, to help us to accomplish this work year round. A lot of, you know, there's a lot of interest now, but I keep telling folks like, you know, subscribe to our website. We are having conversations and doing events and looking for volunteers all the time and nothing about our work has changed. So nothing, you know, nothing allows us to now take on 50 volunteers for a thing. Now it is like 50, I need 50 volunteers, those same 50 volunteers year round. Um, all the time. And I want folks to understand too, even as we talk about census, the bigger picture is ongoing engagement and involvement in democracy and owning that as a black community. So it is, yes, pay attention and participate in the census, but we also have to be ready for redistricting and um, participating in those processes our mission is to make black count every single day. And I think that's the one thing I want to communicate to folks who are asking, especially right now to get involved, that it's people have to be committed to doing this work um, for the long haul. And they don't have to do this with us every day, but just recognizing the work is daily. The work is long-term and we will accept them to, you know, give what they can when they can. And, and, and we will continue to be here um, but the gains that we want to see, obviously we haven't seen, we haven't seen them all in, in 400 years. So we, we have to continue to do this work, but that is why we are, you know, open and, and welcoming of folks who say, I'm here now, I want to help, or I have to step back because of things happening in my family or my life or whatever is the case. Um, so we are committed to making black count because we have to be here and available and not seasonal um, you know, when there 
are incidents that happen in our community. The community needs to know that when we, like, I'm grateful that even the Ellis family, while, you know, my, <clears throat> the Urban League tried to connect the Ellis family to the NAACP here in Tacoma, because we don't necessarily, you know, we don't, the NAACP works with attorneys and kind of like takes on different cases and, and fights discrimination in a different way. But recognizing that here, even in Pierce County, we have a young person who lost their life at the hands of police here in our county and in this city here in Tacoma, we immediately are jumping on to the legislative piece and the policy piece. I think, you know, you mentioned it before, and I think it's, it's really important just in general, like there are so many ways to show up, but there are certain ways that are going to be more effective and that we do need people to really concentrate on. Um, and I appreciate what you said, like the Urban League is doing this work every day, right? Again, some folks are, are just now kind of waking up or figuring out how they can get involved. And that's incredible. Um, but it's not a moment, like you said, it's not new. It's not something that's going to be temporary. This is 365, as you said, Um so folks that are interested, that do want to be allies, that do want to learn, that do want to contribute, um, you know, listen, like follow a little bit, like take a look at what is already being done. As you mentioned, like you guys have policy suggestions, you've got, you know, days of action where folks can get in. I mean, I've seen a home buying course, like there are so many ways to um, really figure out how you can make that change. And everybody doesn't have to make the same one, but there's tons of folks that you can listen to and that you can can follow that are making good change. And that's such a good point. And I think that's, again, why I love the work of Tacoma Urban League, because there are so many entry points to this work, right? I mean, we have a we have someone that is making blankets to support the doulas in our, um, you know, Black infant health work, our maternal health work. And so the doulas will be able to use those blankets and give it to, you know, moms at delivery. We have volunteers who are helping Folks who are, you know, messaging us like, I want to put together a protest and want to, you know, make sure I'm doing it right. And these are new needs, but we're putting, you know, we put together a group of volunteers to say, do some research, organize, you know, some tips and kind of walk people through because our staff is really, you know, the four of us now. And a lot of these things are falling onto my plate or our office manager's plate, but disproportionately a lot on, on my plate because we don't have someone in office whose job it is to do that. So we have welcomed volunteers to help people organize protests or um, all the different groups who are wanting to raise money on behalf of Tacoma Urban League. Like that is helping the movement, right? So they're not doing anything different. If you folks who own a pottery business or a brewery, they're going to keep doing what they're doing, but even donating the funds to support the movement is helping to get the message out that, you know, we have to make Black count every day. So there are so many entry points um, and also so many ways to pivot, but gosh, we are more impactful when we're all doing it together, all communicating that, that same message that yes, black lives matter. And we will make black count in our community and in our country. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. And, and using those words, because I think it's important to say that like it's, it's black lives matter. If we're not uplifting those lives, then we're really not going to be able to uplift anything else. And if we're not starting with the people who are the most marginalized or the most, you know, affected by police violence or by poverty or by redistricting and redlining, um, then we're not really serving the whole realistically, even if folks can't see that. Um, 
And so a couple of things um, that I wanted to touch on, and I think that will kind of move us into the next question. So you've mentioned before, like your kind of path and your family and how it, it wasn't necessarily traditional and it certainly wasn't easy. Um, and I'm, you know, even as we've been chatting, like you've had these things you've had to go do because you are, you know, a CEO and a mom and a friend, and you've got all these connections in the community. And there are folks that, that demand your time and that, you know, that you want to give your time to. Um, but given all that you do and, and all that you've had to get through to get here, do you feel like you have certain skills or strengths um, or abilities that really make you uniquely like talented at this or make you, you know, better able to do this work? Definitely. I like things and I want to encourage folks to be able to like speak positively and affirmatively and um, confidently about their own skills. There is a tendency to believe that by recognizing our strengths and communicating them, that it makes us arrogant or um, not humble, but I think it makes you smart because I also um, recognize that it is far easier for people to speak about their weaknesses and, 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 or, or what they're not good at or opportunities for growth. But I think you can also give yourself credit for what you know you do bring to the table. So um, I definitely know that I do well collaborating with individuals. I love to learn about different people, different interests. I oftentimes like to enter a space and just listen, you know, listen to the pieces and communicate a strategy or, or solution. You know, I came to Tacoma Urban League and did this immediate assessment. I had a little knowledge because as I mentioned, I was working um, by leading a girls program there, but I'm really good at just doing assessments and saying, I think this is how all these pieces can come together. Um, everybody's contribution can, can be at work here and, and, and no one's is better than, or, you know, or more important than or less important than. So I do really well at just taking a look and assessing situations and offering up some type of solution or, or strategy to include as many of us as, as possible. Also, because of my lived experience, having been in foster care, being abused, you know, uh, physically, sexually, verbally, um, living in homeless shelters, living with other people, living in the projects, knowing what it, you know, is like to hold food stamp booklets in your hand and go to the store, having a parent that was addicted to crack, um, experiencing divorce, having um, experience as a military spouse, but also military child, having siblings. Gosh, these things give me so much empathy and perspective and help me to understand the realness of, of situations. I mean, being a family that did not own a car. We, my, my mom, well, my mom owned a car when we were younger. And, and I know people choose to not be car owners and want to, you know, be carless and use public transportation or bike or walk or whatever, but it wasn't a choice. It was because of, you know, mismanaged resources due to addiction, but even knowing like what it, what it's like to not have a car and to have to walk miles with bags of groceries, groceries that you had to steal because you were, you know, we were taught to steal all of our groceries when we were kids. So we, you know, would go and steal everything from soap to 
pot roast and put it in our clothes and go around back and put it in bags and walk home with all that stuff. So I have a different understanding and different empathy, especially for young people who are going through those things, because I know that you can doggone near experience anything and choose to turn your life around or connect with the right community group or organization and turn your life around. I mean, my belief in black women as leaders from watching women as a child run and manage many of the shelters that we lived in, many of the businesses that I, you know, encountered when I lived in the South, but just watching, you know, the grace and elegance and compassion and work ethic of incredible black women. So my experiences helped me to start actualizing and, and, and imagining and envisioning the type of woman and mom and community member and, and business leader that I wanted to be. So every single thing that I have gone through and, and, and seen, you know, is a strength of mine because I know what it feels like. I know what it, you know, I, I know what it feels like to be worried about someone entering your home violently because a parent has stolen from them to buy drugs. I know what it smells like in a homeless shelter. Right. Um, so, you know, and I know what it feels like and, and how heavy of a burden it is to be responsible for taking care of your, your siblings at an early age, to have to step into adulthood. All of those experiences I have chosen, um, to allow them to be strengths of mine, to better understand the world that we live in, to better understand the needs, the gaps, and to communicate to folks like it's not your fault and there is something you could you could do about it. Or, you know, you definitely don't deserve that. There is still something that um, you can you can do about it. So I it is my lived experience is a tremendous strength in my ability to lead and understand. Also, I think um, being a woman, being a black woman, being a, a mother, all strengths, being able to, to multitask and manage, you know, many things, being able to prioritize um, is a, a huge strength. Um, the other thing that I do that I know sometimes folks leave out when they're managing lots of big responsibilities um, is self-care. I'm really I, I believe I'm pretty good at self-care, at going to sleep when I need to, taking care of myself, whether it's, you know, personal hygiene things that are Im important to me um, or getting rest or still reading books, reading articles, um, writing handwritten notes and correspondence to folks because that's what's important to me, taking the time to check my mail every day because that is something that excites me and, and I look forward to doing it. But I, you know, practicing self-care is a, is a strength, making sure that I tap into things like therapy, you know, um, or sharing and talking with my friends and family, you know, those things are strengths that sometimes as leaders and as women or moms, we tend to take off the table when we're giving to others. But I, I fully believe that I will never be able to give my best to others if I don't give my best to myself first. So, you know, being selfish and taking care of myself is fully a strength of mine. So those are some things I think, you know, I'm, I'm able to lead and give back because I take care of myself, you know, because I understand others' stories and perspectives, not all of them, right? There's still lots of, you know, nuance in, in this work, but because of all that I have experienced and been through, um, I likely have a story or a connection or can get to 
what someone might be feeling or thinking and, and can share that, you know, with them. And there are lots of other ways, you know, where I simply cannot, you know, I haven't had every experience, but I'm grateful for all the ones that I've had. And I think it's important to do this work, not on my own. I never feel like I'm by myself at the Urban League. I'm, I don't feel like I'm by myself raising my children or um, taking care of my family. I do not feel like I'm by myself in doing this um, work to make Black count or to serve this community. Um, many individuals, um, brilliant, smart, caring individuals stand alongside me, and I'm extremely grateful. So I bring my strengths, and I try to value and recognize the strengths of, of others and, and check my own self when I'm, when I'm not doing so. It's not a perfect process. I'm really glad that you said that. I'm really glad that you framed it in that way. I think I mentioned, you know, I work in career development and a lot of our students, they, you know, they don't want to brag on themselves. They don't want to talk about what their strengths are. They feel like that's not quite right, um, that it's not not what you're supposed to do. I know for so many communities of color, like, you know, you don't want to be big headed. You don't want to brag. You don't want to be like, you know, to be outside your britches, right? Um, but I think that's that's really something that prevents a lot of us from some from reaching those points, from becoming the CEOs and and the the community leaders. Um, and can I, I really just add? Can yeah. I also add, Catherine, that the other thing, <clears throat> the other thing that I love about um, like relationship and the relationships I have with folks that folks in the community who we would say are the leaders, are the movers, the shakers. Like the one thing that I recognize about everybody is we are all so flawed and just trying to figure it out each day. Like I don't. I mean, literally, the folks that we attribute with being some of the most wealthiest people in this community still have issues with family, with, you know, maybe one of their kids being on drugs or struggling with drugs themselves or issues with housing or paying bills. And it may not be a $1,200 bill. It may be more like a $12 million bill, but just like figuring out bankruptcy and, and debt and, you know, still struggle with relationship and, and love and and self-worth. Like, I think that's the thing too, that, um, my experience has really released me from ever feeling like you, you make it or you, you get there. As long as we are human and on this earth, we're going to be flawed. We're going to struggle. We're going to desire to belong and to be loved. Our feelings will be hurt. We're going to make mistakes. Um, we're going to fall flat on our face. And I think the only thing that we can ever do is just get back up and try again to believe like this isn't the last opportunity. And this is a country that loves a good comeback story, loves an underdog. So I try to tell people like all of the things that make you imperfect are the things that will help you to be, you know, um, most successful as long as you channel them as ways to get better and to do more for this community um, or to grow from. So it's not the, it's not that the flaws are a terrible thing, but if they're not working for us or if they're not working for our community, we just need to like use them right? Frame them in a way that we're able to use or like, even if using them means learn from them. Maybe it may be habits that we need to stop doing, but like learn from them to get better or to do, you know, good in the community. But I don't know any person. And I mean, from some of the most powerful to the most wealthiest um, in my network and in the city that does not struggle with all the basic things that a, the average college student would struggle with. So just so people understand, I guess my point is like, it will never stop. You will never reach this point of, you know, now everybody likes me. Now everybody loves me. Now I fully love myself. Now it's just like, as long as we're living life, we have to keep navigating those situations. But everything that we learn and go through helps us to navigate them better and differently and more positively. 
you know, um, but the challenges of life will not stop no matter what the career is, um, no matter the, the, the marriage that you're in, or if you choose not to be married, or if you have kids or choose not to have kids, um, life is going to give you a twist and turn. So it's just our experience helps us to better navigate those situations. Like that is my hope. And I always say like my, my greatest goal is to be an older black woman because of the wisdom, the knowledge, the unapologetic living that a more seasoned black woman um, gets to walk around with. Like that is my ultimate goal because I will know better and therefore I will do better. And I like this pastor named Rich Wilkerson who always says the best is yet to come. And I believe that. So everything that happens now, the goal is for everything to get better because I, I know better. I understand more. I can be more compassionate, more empathetic. So I believe that, you know, the best is, is yet to come. Um, but we have to hang in there and um, give it our best shot and, and, and work with others so we can achieve that. So we can, so we can get there, but life is, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's a challenge. <laughs> period for everybody. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah, that's exactly like, that is exactly what I would want to convey. And that's exactly where I would have gone with it. Like everyone at every level, no matter how much you've accomplished, no matter where you came from, how much privilege you might have or how much obstacles you might have, like you're not going to be able to stop learning. Even if you get what you want, there's going to be another goal. There's going to be another obstacle. There's going to be somebody else who's a little bit smarter, who's a little bit more prepared um, and it's hard, right? But that doesn't mean that you should stop. And it doesn't mean that we should look away or give up rest. Like you said, take that time to care for yourself, do the basics, carve out time to be selfish because that's how we sustain movements. Um, but know that, yeah, like you're going to make mistake and it's okay. Take responsibility for it and keep it moving. Um, so thank you. I really, really appreciate that. I think you know, again, like we can hear it all day. We can hear it from our mom. We can hear it from our friends, but sometimes you just need to hear it from that one person that you really want to be like. So I hope for folks listening that it'll, it'll really hit home for them to hear you say that. Um, so we've, we've spent quite a lot of time and I know you've got a busy life. So I, I want this last question to kind of guide us out and it'll kind of be a twofer. Um, so you kind of touched on it a little bit or leaned toward it a little bit, but what do you envision as the future of Tacoma? Like, what is your hope for how we can move forward and use this time to catalyze change? And for those younger folks listening who want to become leaders, who want to make a positive impact in their community, do you have any suggestions for how they can get involved with this future? Yeah, I continue to see the future of, of Tacoma and um, our community as bright and vibrant. I think what we are experiencing now with these crises and pandemics, you know, coronavirus, racism, and us having for the first time in a very long time, a moment to pause and be available to think about injustice, to think about changes that need to continue to happen in this country. I, I do believe that we will see lots of folks stick with this to make this, this community better, to make the city better. I think we have some new um, soldiers and activists and believers in this work. So I see Tacoma as better, changed, stronger, more united in the future. We've lost some businesses because of this pandemic, but we will see um, stronger, new, better businesses that will pop up. We've lost some jobs, but I believe the workforce will be stronger, more innovative, 
um, more green in the future. So I see for this city uh, a greater commitment by its residents, those who are here now, those will those who will come because of <clears throat> military or because of the exciting precedent that Tacoma will be setting. I think we have a great opportunity to hand, handle this Manuel Ellis case the right way. And that will encourage people in the power of demanding change, demanding accountability. I also even more immediately see a, a difference in even things like, you know, um, these government contracts with difference in, in policing. I, I, I don't think this community is going to rest until we see some immediate change. So I, I envision great things in the longer term future, the next several decades, but I see change happening in the next several weeks and months because this community will be relentless. And as far as getting involved, now is the best time and the best opportunity. Several people now see what has been happening and, and can now hear what we have been communicating as wrongdoings in this country. Other folks, you know, um, have known and some people just are, are not there yet and may never get there. But I think now is the best time to become a member of the Urban League, to get involved on in college campuses, to join the NAACP, to come to the weekly meetings of the Black Collective to create that organization that you have been thinking of that actually fills a need that's not being, that's not being met in our community. But involvement right now is um, tapping in and, and tuning in and getting involved in a way that's meaningful and accessible to you, right? Not everyone um, literally because of, you know, physical ability can show up to a protest, but there may be an opportunity for you to pick up the phone and call a legislator to pay attention to some of the legislative priorities and agendas that are being put out by um, the Black community or other underrepresented community members. Use your artwork, use your voice, use your talent, use your passion for um, academia to create change. So I'm encouraging everyone with what you have and with where you're willing to push yourself out your comfort zone to use that energy, to use that skill, that talent to tap in and help us to create change in this community. And for folks who have been doing that work way longer than I have even been on the face of this earth, thank you. Thank you for your resilience. I don't, I don't want to end this conversation without acknowledging there are people before me who, who have communicated, like get involved, be active, because they have been doing it for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. So I just want to honor them and, and thank them for their commitment. Um, so I am here and I am going to continue to be willing to roll my sleeves up and to get to work. And I am just encouraging all who are interested right where you are, where you stand with what you have to join us in this movement. Thank you to our guests and thank you for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.